Welcome to Scrub Chat, a podcast of sharing stories by veterinary professionals for veterinary professionals. I'm your host, Kim Farina, a veterinarian, a writer. I've worked in the animal health industry, and prior to that, I was an MTV journalist and a radio personality. Yes, my career has taken me in lots of different directions. In each episode of Scrub Chat, I sit down and chat with a veterinarian or technician so they can share their own directions, what's worked, what hasn't, and how they've made it all fit. Thank you for joining me as we explore veterinary medicine combined with all the other aspects of our lives. Zoetis has generously created these podcasts to help support this incredible profession. Today, we have Melanie Hollis on our show. Melanie is a licensed veterinary technician and instructor at the Cedar Valley College Veterinary Technology Program in Texas. And she also teaches at the University of Texas in Arlington. But oh, what a circuitous journey she has had in her life. I have been looking forward to having you on the show, Melanie. Really, I'm so excited. I'm excited too. Thank you so much for having me. You are a licensed veterinary technician with experience, let's see, in companion animal, equine, large animal, but you didn't live on a farm growing up, right? Quite the contrary. I did not. I did not. I grew up in South Central Los Angeles and went to inner city schools and didn't really have the exposure to uh, companion animals other than the backyard dog or large animals, cows or anything like that growing up. I had a family that lived in uh, Riverside. And back in the 60s, 70s, Riverside, Orange County was nothing but orange groves and maybe a cow or two. And I had one uh, relative, it's like a great aunt and uncle, and they moved out of the inner city because they lived in Watts and they moved to Riverside and they had cows and chickens and dogs and pigs and, and we would spend weekends, every other weekend, we would drive out to the country and I would spend the majority of my time outdoors because there were no kids. And I was outside with all the animals and I loved every minute of it. It was just, it was like fun. It's what I always did. Even without a cat or a dog in your home, you still felt that you wanted to devote your life to providing medical care to animals. Like, would you say it was a calling? It's hard to say calling. It was an interest and a love because I loved being with the animals and I liked taking care of them. Um, I had, I bottle raised a, a calf from, a, she was like little teeny tiny. And I remember getting up early in the morning before, you know, sun up, and I'm you know, toting a bottle about half my size, holding up the bottle feed a calf or getting up early in the morning to go gather eggs and getting a t- you know, chased around the yard by, you know, roosters that, you know how roosters are. Yeah. But I liked being out there and I wanted to learn more about working with and being with, with animals. I didn't have my own pet until probably early high school because my mother was not a not an animal person my family you know my my father my sister they didn't care about animals and I wanted I wanted a dog I wanted a cat and they just kind of looked at me like yeah no <laughs> it's too much work and too much effort so eh. one day my father came home I want to say it was my 15th birthday and brought me a kitten that was my first pet I was 15 years old 
And I thought, oh my gosh, I love this animal. She was everything to me. And going to the vet visits was always so fascinating for me because I could sit and watch what they did and how they did things. And, and I wanted to learn more and I wanted to do more. It sounds like these experiences really helped carve or define that path that you were going to take. I mean, it sounds like it was the perfect mix of this love. And then you did have these experiences, you know, as early as 15, where it was like, I love this. I did. And I would volunteer at the local animal shelters just so that I could be around animals. And I would walk, you know, all the family and the family friends that had dogs, they would pay me to go walk their dogs or, you know, house sit and take care of them. So that was the closest I could get to having a dog when I was younger. And I just loved it. If they were we were having a gathering or a get together and everybody's in the house and everybody's hustling and bustling, I was outside because I wanted to be outside with the dogs and all the animals. I would have rather been out there. I know that sounds terrible. I was more at home and relaxed being out there with the animals than sitting in the house and sitting in a, you know, with stuffy kids and yeah, I want to be with the animals. So that's what I did. And that's what I loved. Yeah. You were in California at the time, but now you're in Texas. And there are a whole lot of states to choose from when you're leaving California. So I, so I'm, what I'm picturing is, did you throw a dart at a map and say, okay, next stop is Texas. You know, and it's a very big state, so it's a big target. So, you know, you could hit it very easily. How did you land in Texas? I'm going to tell you honest, growing up in LA and wanting to work with animals, we have one vet school in California, it's UC Davis. And through, you know, elementary, junior high, high school, I said, I want to go to UC Davis. I want to be a veterinarian. UC Davis, that was all I knew. And then as I got closer to graduating from high school, one, I realized my grades were not UC Davis material. There was no way I was going to get in that school. And as I got older, I mean, I even worked in pet stores in the, the mall. Back when you could sell pets in, uh, in pet stores in the mall, I worked at the mall and sold pets in the Fox Hills Mall. And that was back in the 1980s. It was quite some time ago. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I did that and then uh, worked in a vet clinic for a little bit. And it was time for me to break away from home. Cause I was still at home and still living with my, you know, my parents and I got older and thought, you know, I kind of want to maybe stretch a toe out somewhere else. And I had a one friend that lived in the state of Texas and she said, girl, come on. So I packed up everything, had no job, um, didn't have a place to live. And I said, okay, well, Texas has Cedar Valley college. That's a vet tech school. I'm going to go to Cedar Valley. So I had actually heard about Cedar Valley while I was living in L.A. back in my early 20s. And my goal was to move to Texas to go to Cedar Valley, get my vet tech degree and then go to Texas A&M and maybe consider whether or not I wanted to be a veterinarian. I realized later that veterinarian was not what I wanted. I wanted to be I wanted to be a technician because I liked that a lot better. So with that one friend and no place to live and the yellow pages, I managed to find a place to live, a place to work. And I didn't know my way around Texas, but I figured it out. And I worked part time at one clinic 
and the rest of the time at their satellite clinic as a kennel tech. And that's kind of where you start. You start, you know, scooping poop and cleaning cages. And I wasn't afraid to do that because I figured once I do that, then that'll kind of help me move up. And then I'll go to Cedar Valley. So much stuff happened. I mean, so many detours and sidesteps and sidetracks. So there was, there's just been a whole lot of different things and a whole lot of different directions that I've taken in the, I'm going to be honest with you, 34 years that I've been working with animals. So there's been a whole lot, but you know, everything is a learning experience. I love that. I just picked Texas. She said, come on. And I said, okay. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Because It's such an example of, you know, you're talking about side checks and different directions and so forth. Oh, yeah. And when we talk about success, there's many different ways of measuring it. But I think there are common characteristics a person has to have to achieve a goal that maybe on initial glance seems impossible. Like what you're describing, you wanted to do this and by golly, you were going to get there. What what are those characteristics, Melanie? First, I have to go back and mention mentors. I had a fantastic mentor when I worked in a vet clinic. My very first job working in a clinic, I went to this clinic, had never in my life seen an African-American veterinarian. And it was just beyond me to even imagine that there were African-American veterinarians or veterinary professionals, anything. Because, you know, not to make it sound crazy, a lot of African-American folks don't take their dogs to the vet. Some of them do. I'm not going to say they're irresponsible. They're not. But back in those days, you just didn't see African-American veterinarians. My little cat that I got at 15, 16 years old, it was time to find a place for her to go, a new vet. We went in and in walks the veterinarian. And she's an African-American woman. And I was literally dumbfounded. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is an African-American veterinarian. How cool is this? I literally begged her for a job that day. And she was such a wonderful influence and such a wonderful mentor. She taught me a lot of the things that I still do now and a lot of the things that I share with my students. And seeing her, and I remember talking to her, asking her what made her decide to, you know, what made you decide to go to vet school? And she said, when I graduated from high school, and she was from the inner city as well. So she was from L.A. And she said, I knew I wanted to go to vet school. I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian. When she graduated from high school, she went to Tuskegee, graduated, came back to L.A., started her own practice, had her own business, and did fantastic. I want to say she retired about maybe five, six years ago. And I still keep in contact with her. So she was an excellent motivator for me because she taught me the groundwork and she encouraged me to do more. And I I owe everything to mentors. And I've had some of the best mentors over the years, male and female, African-American, not, it doesn't matter. They've been fantastic people all the way around. So I think the people that are around you, the people that you surround yourself with are what build your character and what help you share it with the next ones. What else did she teach you? She taught me how to focus on if you have a goal, work towards it, focus on aiming towards it, taught me how to work hard. And if there's something that you want to do, work hard to get to it. It's not going to come easy. You're going to scrape your knees here and there. It's going to happen because that's life. But if you really want it, work hard for it. And 
It took me some scrapes and scratches and some bumps and bruises, but I still made it there. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm indebted to her. And I let her know that every time I talk to her, I always tell her and I always thank her. Speaking of encouragement, I imagine some of our listeners at times in your life, in times of my life have said, oh, I just can't do this. Melanie, I just can't do this. Where, where do you go from there? How do you turn that around? If I have students that are, are not sure about because they didn't do well on something, I said, but you know what? Look at what didn't work and let's see what we can do to make it work. And let's work together. If you got questions, come ask. What I try to instill in my students here is all the students that are in this program, it's like a tribe. We're all working together. And if there's something that you're strong with, share it with your tribe. And if there's something that someone else is strong with that you're weak at, have them come help you. Ask for help. Don't be afraid to to talk with and commune with the people that are walking in the same steps that you're walking in. And I, I tell them, hey, you guys, just when you think you can't do it, look at me because I did it. And if I can do it, you can do it because I am not a 4.0 GPA. I did the best I could do, and I graduated from this program. I'm now teaching in this program. You guys can do that, too. That's amazing because it's such, you know what it is, Melanie? It's grit, too. It's this passion. It's this ability not to give up. You can't. You can't. If it's something you really want, then you've got to work hard. Another of my mentors, I call her I call her my mama, my internal medicine mama. What she always said and what I share with students or potential students or you know, just people in general that I talk to, first of all, you got to find what you like. And the term she always uses is find what feeds your soul. Find what makes you happy and what you enjoy and pursue it. I didn't always work in veterinary medicine. I worked in veterinary medicine in the, you know, in my twenties, and then I had a detour because I had a son, and I needed to do something different because I was a single parent, and I needed to be able to take care of him. I needed to be able to pay the bills, so I chose a different path, and I did something. I went into uh, human medicine, and I did that for a while, and it paid the bills basically. And it kept a roof over our head and, you know, I could buy those clothes or, you know, those things, but I wasn't happy doing that at all. I really wasn't. And one day I was sitting at work, sitting in one of those little cubicles with the phone ringing. And I just said, I don't like this. I'm not happy doing this. This is not what I'm here to do. And I walked away from that job with uh, (laughs) another job and uh, looked at my son and said, honey, we're going to figure it out and we're going to make it and we're going to do it. And I went to work for the local city animal shelter and I was in more heaven doing that, cleaning cages and scooping poop and, you know, helping, you know, animals get adopted than sitting at that cubicle. I couldn't do it anymore. My initial goal in my 20s was to come to Cedar Valley and in my mid thirties, someone comes in and goes, well, why aren't you at Cedar Valley? I said, well, I didn't think I could get in. They said, yeah, come on, come on, apply again. And let's see what we can do to get you in there. And sure as shoot, I went and applied and got accepted. And I started the program and finished it and graduated from it. And I thought, see, It's those people that kind of, yeah, if you veer off one direction or another direction, you've got those people that just kind of scoot you over and go, come on, 
you know what? We'll get you there. We'll help you get there. So it's definitely been a journey. And along those lines, I learned that you currently are back at school completing your bachelor's degree, right? I I am. I am. And so what's the story with that? Well, (laughs) it's, um, it's something that I've needed to do for a while. And yes, it will help increase my income because that degree shows that, yes, I've gone the next step and I've done a little bit more. So that's another thing. You, you got to work that little extra bit to earn a little bit more or just for the knowledge. I'm actually trying to work on something that'll help me be a better instructor for my students. My mother was a teacher for 40 some odd years before she retired. And I told her I would never be a teacher, never, ever be a teacher. And look, it's what I'm doing. Here you are. And I, right. and I love it. I really do because the students can see that it's something I enjoy. It's the thing that feeds my soul. This is what, you know, my, my mama told me to do. So it's what makes me excited and makes me happy. Absolutely. And the other thing is, you know, see, moms do know a thing <laughs> or two, despite what our kids think, right? She says that to me every time too. She rubs it in every single time. <laughs> When I was researching you, I discovered that you are a member of the British Veterinary Nurses Association and, one step further, a member of the International Veterinary Nurses and Technicians Association. And I went, what? That is correct. I'm a big networker, and the people that work with me know that I I love to talk to people, and I like to meet new people. And these these are people that are in my field, and to talk to them and learn from them and learn how to maybe do a lecture overseas one day, maybe. So yeah, nice. That'd be sweet. I think it would be. Um, I'm, it's another goal, another goal right. of mine. Well, you, yeah, you just seem like you would be fun to hang out with, fun to just do anything with. So I'm curious, what do you do besides work? Because you seem like you could do like stand up, maybe. <laughs> Um, no, really. For, for fun, funny. I've got um, I've got my best buddy. She and I just bought bikes, so we try to bike ride when it's not too cold, and uh, we just kind of do things. We're um, we've been friends since our boys were four years old, and our boys are twenty eight and twenty nine years old now. So we just I just hang out with my with my good friends to do things, you know, movies or concerts, things like that. Do you have pets now? Uh, are you kidding? Of course I do. Of course. <laughs> you made up for your childhood. I did. I have three dogs. Never thought I'd have three. And one cat. My cat's 17 this year. And uh, I'm I'm good with two dogs. And I don't, I, I look at the third one and go, why are you here? You're so stinking cute. I love you. So oh. I just adopted her from the college here. She was available for adoption. And uh yeah, I took her home. She's the cutest thing in the world. I just adore her. She's a mess. <laughs> she she wanted to come to work. I said, no, you can't come today. Sorry. So. Well, we are just almost out of time, but I wanted yeah. to squeeze in a few more questions sure. in terms of if, um, you know, for our listeners who, again, are just starting off in their career, any other advice that you would pass on to them that you feel like they should know? Just, you know, focus on where you want to go and what you want to do. Again, the feed your soul analogy is is perfect. If you're doing something that makes you miserable every day, I can remember leaving work and sitting in the parking lot of my car in tears 
thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I here? Yes, I have to feed my son, but I'm not happy. So make sure you're doing what makes you happy and figure out a way to do it and do it in a way that one, yeah, you get to eat every day. You got a roof over your head every day. Your kids are happy. You're hugging the dog instead of yelling at the dog and work your hardest to do your best. And that's it. Whatever you choose. I love this. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. So in our few minutes, do you have a funny story you want to tell us about uh, your, your technician days? I worked in internal medicine for a lot of years. And I love internal medicine because it's the whole mystery and puzzle pieces and putting things together. And the doctor I worked with at the time, she's the one that I call my internal medicine mama. And if she hears this podcast, she'll know exactly who she is. Uh, we had a patient that was a renal failure patient. Sweet dog, nice people, had more money than God. And this is a, you know, a renal failure case and the dog wasn't doing, wasn't doing well. So it's time to kind of make some decisions. And their options were to either, of course, uh, put the dog down or they could maybe consider uh, dialysis. Well, dialysis was only done at two, two colleges in the United States, and they chose dialysis for their dog at UC Davis. We're here in Texas. So what they wanted was for someone to escort the dog to California, and they were going to fly the dog to UC Davis and have her admitted there. Well, my mama, she comes up and she says, okay, they want to fly this dog and they want someone to go with the dog. Who wants to go? I didn't think. I just raised my hand. And afterwards, it was like, what is wrong with you? Are you crazy? <laughs> they had a private jet. Next thing I know, I'm getting limoed with this dog. Their other dog, the personal assistant to the Love Field Airport, and we flew in a private jet, fully stocked with food and everything else, to California, UC Davis, to transport this dog. We get to a podunk airport somewhere near Davis. There is no one there. There's supposed to be an ambulance to meet us to escort the dog. There's no one there to take us. We're sitting on the tarmac getting ready to get off this plane. And there's one little man that works at this little podunk closed airport and his rickety little, his pickup truck. They paid this guy 500 bucks to drive us to UC Davis. He didn't know us from anything. And here we go in his little truck driving to the college. We managed to get the dog there. She got admitted fine. She did fairly well, was on dialysis for, you know, as long as she was on. But it was the craziest trip in the world. When I called my, uh, you know, the vet to let her know that we had landed, instead of her asking the condition of how the dog was, is the dog stable? Is everything going well? She's like, what is the plane like? Did they have food? Did they do this? What is going on? And I'm trying to keep my composure because they can't hear her. I can hear her. And I'm, the dog is stable. We landed well. Everything's going great. But what is it like? Where are you? It was the funniest thing because I'm trying to keep the straightest face. I'm cracking up because she is just like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did it. So, it was just one, one of thousands of, of hilarious stories I could probably write if I ever write a book. That's terrific. I do have to ask, what year was that? Oh, my goodness. I have to. Do you mind me asking? Back. 
No, I don't mind you asking. I just no, here, here's there's a reason why I'm asking, which is because I went to UC Davis and uh-huh. we had a situation like that. I remember when I was in vet school, and I'm curious if you are the person who <laughs> flew the plane and that dog. I can tell you that the dog was a beagle. That yeah, I can most tell of them you. are. Yes! <laughs> most, that doesn't really narrow it down. Oh but gosh, yeah. I, because I'm Maybe. picturing the beagle. That is so funny. And I do wonder if you're the one. <laughs> that would be wild. What a small world. I want to say we arrived at like midnight. It was like. Yeah, it was a big deal on campus for yep. us. So, yep. it must, so as you described it, it was a very big deal on your end too. Oh my gosh. That's wow. so funny. So funny. funny. <laughs> All world. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with us, Melanie. You were a delight. Oh, thank you. It was such a pleasure. And I feel like we learned so much and we had lots of laughs. So it was perfect. Well, that's great. That's great. I I had a great time doing this. This concludes another episode of Scrub Chat, a podcast of sharing stories by veterinary professionals for veterinary professionals. Please remember to visit VetVance at www.vetvance.com and check out Zoetis Commitment to Veterinarians on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to get more information about life issues such as handling student debt, reducing stress, communication skills, and reputation management. VetVance is also available as a mobile app on both Apple and Android devices. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at scrubchat at zoetis.com. We would love to hear from you. And please don't forget to share and review this podcast so we can produce more in the future. We are grateful to Zoetis for the support. Until next time, this is Scrub Chat.